Hello and welcome to Textile Innovation hosted by WTIN. My name is Ruby and I'm the news editor and your podcast host. Each month we're going to be joined by a brand new special guest. So join me and my colleagues as we deep dive into what's new, what's interesting and what unmissable innovations have hit the market recently. We cover everything on the podcast from sustainability to startups and the latest research and developments. And we also quiz the experts in the fields about their new products and ideas across the huge spectrum that is the textiles industry. So no matter what your interest is, WTA and have you covered and we can connect you to everything you need to know right here from our central hub in the UK. Today I'm talking to Eric Benoist from Natixis based in France. Eric is a tech and data specialist for the corporate investment banking company. Together we'll be talking about synthetic biology, funding, ethics and the role that technology can play in sustainability. Hi Eric, how are you? Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Firstly, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me. It's a pleasure. Um, so let's dive right in. So firstly, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and your history within the textiles industry? So I'm a technology uh, research analyst working for uh, French investment bank uh, Natixis. I'm based in London. I'm specializing in all matters related to technology that can be uh, as wide as uh, nuclear energy or uh, food technology or cloud computing and things like that. Uh, I'm not a textile expert per se, uh, but I've been working time and again on various uh, topics relating to uh, the textile industry and in particular in you know all the technologies that can help this industry become a cleaner business. And for those who are listening who aren't aware of the company that you work for, Natixis, could you explain what it is you do and what your role of tech and data specialist entails? So Natixis is basically one of the largest banking retail networks or uh, banking networks in France. It covers actually all the traditional, you know, capital markets, uh, financing, asset management uh, businesses. And uh, within that, my role is to basically study and uh, analyze technological trends. The idea here is to help Netixis position itself as a technology expert so that we can better help our clients deal with those questions of uh, technology and we can advise them better and, and be more uh, relevant and, you know, credible when we talk to these guys about technology in general. So we've launched, uh, for instance, something that we call the Tech Hub at Natixis, and it's really basically a group of technology specialists who are here to assist all of our clients on these matters uh, more specifically. We've discussed on the podcast before, the textile industry and with it the fashion industry are accused of being among the most polluting and damaging for the environment. The manufacturing processes often include chemicals in large amounts of water and energy. Unfortunately, there is no overnight miracle that can fix these, no matter how many regulations are implemented. However, I did read that you argue that precision farming and irrigation and green chemistry and circular initiatives and biotechnologies are all things that can contribute to a more sustainable path going forward. I think the key thing is that really there is no silver bullet type of solution here for the industry. I don't think there is one type of solution that's really going to solve all the problems at once. Um, and so, yes, we take the view here that it's actually a mix of solutions together that are going to be uh, the right uh, approach for the industry. Uh, and you were mentioning precision agriculture. So definitely at the source, you know, for cotton farmers, for example, uh, it's something that can help them better use 
resources such as uh, pesticides or water. Circular initiatives obviously are very important uh, in countries like uh, the UK, France, or where consumption is quite high and when we have to change behaviors, make sure that as the European Union puts it itself, we make fast fashion unfashionable uh, as quickly as possible. But uh, but yeah, it's it really is a, a mix of solutions that's going to have to be uh, implemented with different intensities depending on you know where you implement them and uh, there's definitely no silver bullet here. On the topic of your latest thematic research paper titled Weaving a Cleaner Future Synthetic Biology for Eco-Responsibility in the Textile Industry, you delve into the solutions available to fight environmental pollution. What do you think are the most important findings from that paper? Sure, we actually delve into one specific technology which is synthetic biology. To explain very quickly what this is, uh, synthetic biology is basically a part of science that redesigns microorganisms to give them more uh, or new abilities. So basically the idea is to insert uh, long stretches of DNA into bacteria or things like that and make sure that these bacteria can then, you know, produce certain proteins that are going to be, you know, very helpful uh, in producing different types of materials such as leathers or uh, fabrics. And by the way, the way what was really, um, really interesting that synthetic biology is not just something that can be applied to the textile industry. It's something that works as well in other industries such as uh, agriculture, uh, mining, uh, uh, carbon capture, uh, and all sorts of different environments. Um, and, and it's a very, very powerful technology that's uh, emerging uh, as we speak and uh, where we are starting to see a lot of interest from investors. Now, I mentioned textile industry, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a fiber problem at the source. Like, um, you know, we, we talked about cotton, for example, uh, being a highly resource intensive part of the supply chain. Synthetic biology can help you know, uh, create fabrics that don't consume as much water, for instance, or don't need any pesticides or uh, things like that. So that's, that can be very interesting as a replacement as well for synthetic fibers, which are highly carbon intensive, as we know. The second thing is chemicals, you know, in the industry that won't come as a surprise to many of your listeners, but to other people, it's sometimes quite surprising to see the sheer amount of chemical that goes into the fabrication of a single piece of garment. And the list is extremely long. Uh, synthetic Technology can help create certain uh, molecules without the use of petrochemical treatment at the source, for instance, which can be applied in things like dyeing process uh, of, uh, of those clothes and garments. Uh, and, and, and that has a lot of value, in my opinion. So in your research, you interviewed two European companies, AM Silk and Pili. You say these companies are at the forefront of revolution in the textile world. How did you discover these companies? Why did you pick them? And what are they doing differently? I came across these two companies a little bit by chance initially. You know, when I'm doing my research, I try to find companies that are active in the sort of field that I'm researching. And these two came up quite quickly in my in my search. And when I started looking what they were doing, what really struck me was the fact that their technology was actually quite mature and quite scalable relatively quickly. And I think that's an important point because a lot of the stuff that you'll see in synthetic biology is often, you know, at the concept or the, the design phase. It's not really uh, gone uh, much beyond the laboratory phase, I would say. Uh, and there's a big difference between producing super interesting material uh, in the lab, producing it 
in huge quantities for commercial applications. Well, these two companies actually uh, are, they are not in the process yet of producing very large quantities, but they are, they are in the process of demonstrating that their technology is scalable and, and completely viable, uh, which is, uh, I think, uh, which was really uh, what attracted me to, uh, to them in the first place. AM Silk is a company based in, in Germany and they do you know, they use synthetic biology to produce uh, spider silk, which is a, a very interesting uh, material that cannot be farmed uh, naturally because, as, as you may know, spiders are actually uh, uh, quite territorial and uh, can cannibalistic by nature. So they, they just found a way to, you know, modify uh, certain bacteria with g genetic codes of those uh, European garden uh, spiders. What's extraordinary is after sending these spiders, uh, these uh, bacteria, sorry, a signal, they start producing the same silk that the spider produced naturally in the field, except they can do that in large bioreactors and they can uh, industrialize the process, which was not possible before. Uh, and that is, uh, I think, a fantastic uh, example of what uh, synthetic biology can do. They, they, they can really come up with these very natural material in a way which is totally, I would say, green, uh, because they're not using any uh, petrochemicals here, they're not using much energy to produce uh, the, the, the silk. They're only feeding their bacteria with you know, non-food sugar cane or uh, sugar beet uh, biomass, and that's all they need, really. I find that extremely uh, interesting and fascinating. The other company, Pili, is based in France, and what they do is using uh, bacteria, which they will then modify again with different genetic codes so that they can produce a molecular backbone, which they can then enhance with some added chemicals, I would say, to produce perfectly uh, natural and much more, uh, much greener uh, dye products and dye stuff. So their products, for instance, are using 75 less CO2 than the usual standard conventional petrochemicals dye stuff. Uh, again, a very good example of what modified bacteria can do for the industry. You say as well in your paper that there have been some rapid advancements in artificial intelligence, data analysis and genome sequencing. Could you talk more about that and how you think it might change things for the textile industry? I don't know if it will change uh, a lot of things for the textile industry, but uh, certainly synthetic biology, again, it's uh, it's been a game changer. Genome sequencing, of course, has made a lot of progress over the past 20 years. I think if you compare the cost of uh, sequencing the whole human genome 20 years ago versus today, we're talking about something which was worth uh, several hundred thousand dollars at the time, which is now what can be done for less than a thousand euros, right? Uh, this has made the cost of editing the genome uh, of the, all those organisms much less and therefore it makes all these potential new ideas you know immediately viable from the start from purely a commercial angle and then there are things like crispr cas9 framework and this is basically to make it simple this is a something that can be compared to a pair of molecular scissors which allows scientists to cut dna in certain places and paste those sequences into living cells in a very very uh, accurate and reliable way Way. Again, without tools like this, it would be almost impossible today to come up with those industrial applications for the textile industry. And then you mentioned artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's fair to say that it's uh, increasingly being used at every stage of the development of biological systems. Uh, for instance, it, it can help managing or, or predicting certain levels of gene expression or avoiding certain 
unwanted mutations when you know you insert uh, DNA into another organism, something like that. So again, artificial intelligence is very very exciting thing for this industry, uh, and it's not so surprising in my opinion that maybe a company like Microsoft uh, is actually supporting the whole ecosystem. Uh, with their own, you know, molecular biology laboratory, which they opened here in the UK uh, in 2019. They have this laboratory. They're also helping the, you know, the ecosystem with uh, specialized software, with cloud computing, machine learning algorithms, and things like that. So, yeah, artificial intelligence, uh, very important for synthetic biology. In terms of what artificial intelligence does for uh, the textile industry, I mean, uh, there, there are many other examples, of course, one of which I think uh, is particularly interesting is uh, demand uh, analytics. And, uh, and prediction, which can uh, help producers target specific clients at the right time. So instead of producing uh, uh, 100 t-shirts and hoping to sell you three of those points uh, in the year, well, maybe they can just produce those three t-shirts for you at the right time by analyzing demand and using the right algorithm to to make those predictions. Four years ago, you proposed a short research note on the future of fashion and textiles in which you discussed the impact of new technologies such as artificial intelligence, automation and blockchain. Sustainability was a key topic then and was already in discussion around microplastics and the ocean and excessive energy consumption. One of the things suggested was alternative biomaterials. However, you also noted that progress has been stifled in that time despite growing in awareness. What changes have you seen in that time if if any I think the awareness has definitely changed. Uh, it's very rare uh, nowadays that you speak to anyone in the textile industry and they tell you that green and environmental issues are not their problem. Uh, this this used to be the case maybe uh, five, six years ago. Now everybody is very much uh, focused on what they can do to change change things at that level. Um, I think also there's the increasing realization that you know sustainability doesn't have to be come at the expense of profit, that you can be sustainable and profitable. It's not just going to be extra costs on your uh, income statement. I think uh, that, is, that is quite interesting as well. There's uh, this realization that actually in terms of communications, in terms of uh, brand awareness, uh, all these issues are extremely important. Now, I mean, I don't want to sound too uh, pessimistic either, but it's true that when we wrote that first piece four, four and a half years ago, basically talked about the very same topics that we've just mentioned you know it was already uh, problems with uh, we had already problems with microplastics feeding into the oceans we already had problems with fast fashion we already had problems with the waste management and uh, you know all these clothes that are piling up in landfills and are being incinerated instead of being recycled and and you know from that angle it's true that it can be frustrating to see how slow things are actually changing and how little concrete you know and meaningful actions have actually been taken in some parts of the world and some part of the industry i'm a financial analyst obviously i look at these uh, kind of things maybe a lot more than others but you can have the best ideas uh, in the world you can have the best idea in the world if you don't have the funding for ideas you're not going to get anywhere you know going back to synthetic biology i think what is really uh, interesting is that it requires very long-term funding uh, you can't basically hope to make a quick buck and, and be, you know, invest a few millions in there and become a billionaire after six months. Uh, it is something you need to be committed to to find ways to, uh, you know, make sure that investor can commit for uh, the long term. That means sometimes more than you know eight. Uh, 10 years, which many of the guys in the private uh, funding industry have a problem with because they are hoping to become billionaires very quickly. I wanted to maybe touch upon is the question of ethics 
which uh, is a, a real issue in uh, synthetic biology. I, you know, every time uh, somebody touches genetically modified organisms, you end up with the adoption problems on the, on the consumer side, right? People are not always a bit scared of using these kind of uh, materials because there's a perception that uh, they can be unhealthy or dangerous for human health, etc., etc. I think in this case, these things are not justified because the, the end product that you're going to use is actually the same molecule, the same thing that you'll find in, net, in nature. What has been modified is the actual organism that produces it. But the end product, again, is perfectly natural and has got nothing to do with uh, modified uh, genetics. Uh, and I think that's important to educate consumers uh, on this point so that you know they can really embrace these kind of developments and, and adopt the products otherwise i think uh, they will always sort of be scared a little bit of uh, touching these kind of things and, and it could mean that companies like amc or pili uh, find it more difficult to to grow and uh, and you know help the textile industry i just want to end on a broader note as we interview people from all sectors on the podcast and we always seem to get a very varied answer for this next question. So I'm kind of looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are. The United Nations have set in place sustainable development goals to be reached by 2030 to essentially promote and protect the Earth's environment and climate. Do you think we're going to reach these goals or what are your overarching thoughts on this? Do I think we're going to reach these goals? I mean, I think we're already pretty late uh, in reaching these goals, in particular uh, the 2030 goals. My view on this is that we can't hope too much that behavioral changes are going to uh, happen quickly. You know, I think um, if you look at fast fashion, it's pretty clear that it's still extremely strong. Changing those behaviors is going to basically be a very, very long-term project that will have to involve the whole of society. And, and unless these changes are forced in a, some kind of authoritarian way, I don't really see how this is going to happen in the next seven years. But what I do believe in is is that technology has a role to play here. It's not going to sort uh, and solve all the problems, but it can certainly buy us a bit more time. That's that's really uh, uh, why I keep uh, you know pushing things like uh, synthetic biology and other aspects of the technological spectrum, because I really think that this can happen now and that these solutions are available. All we need actually to make them happen most of the time is funding and uh, commitment from the investors in the, in, the, in the medium term. So where is your paper available if people want to take a look for themselves? The paper is available on the research website Netixis. That can be easy to find, I think. Um, otherwise, the best solution is to just contact me directly by email. I'd be happy to send you copies uh, and uh, even have a chat about these topics, uh, which I'm very passionate about. Wonderful. And that concludes the uh, the episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. This has been incredibly interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you have any questions for WTIN, then you can reach out over Twitter. Find us at WTIN comment, or you can contact me directly at ruby at WTIN. And if you fancy sponsoring an episode of the podcast, please email sales at WTIN.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next month.